Welcome to episode 21 of Everybody ESL, the podcast for everybody who wants to improve their English, practice their English, or just learn more English. My name is Ben, and today I have a good full-length episode for you with lots of interesting stuff to learn, practice, and think about. We've got a grammar topic, a small talk lesson, a vocabulary list, the joke of the week, a listening quiz, and more. The Everybody ESL podcast can be found on the Stitcher app and in the Apple iTunes store. If you like the podcast, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. And if you have questions about anything you hear in today's episode or anything you've heard in a previous episode or suggestions for future episodes, please send an email to everybodyesl at gmail.com. Before I get into this episode, I want to say hello to everybody in Tokyo. More of my listeners live in Tokyo than in any other city in the world. So come on, everybody else, get your friends and neighbors listening. You can't let Tokyo be the champion forever. Okay, let's get on with this episode. This might be the most important small talk lesson or social situation that I have ever talked about on this podcast. I have heard many English language learners ask about this topic. Are you ready? It's a big one. It's important. It's this. You're in a public restroom. You're in a stall in one of those little rooms behind a locked door, and somebody knocks on the door or jiggles the door handle trying to get in. What do you do? What do you say? Well, the truth is, you can say anything. If you say anything at all, the person who is trying to come inside the stall will know that you're in there, and they will probably say, oh, excuse me, sorry, and walk away. But what are the things that English speakers typically say in that situation? Well, there are a few things. I think the simplest thing is, oh, someone's in here. So if they say, knock, 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 you say, someone's in here. And then they'll probably again say, oh, excuse me, and walk away. Or maybe they won't say anything at all. So the simplest thing is, someone's in here. Or you could say, I'm in here. Or you could say, just a minute. Or, I'll be out in a minute. Or you could say, it's occupied. Now, what that means is this stall, this little room, is occupied. Someone is already in here. Somebody has already claimed it temporarily. So that's what you do if you are in that situation when somebody knocks on the bathroom door or jiggles the handle and tries to open the door. You can say, someone's in here or I'm in here, or just a second, just a minute, or I'll be out soon, occupied. All of those things are fine. 
But like I said, if you say anything at all, the person will know that somebody is in there and they will go away or they will wait or otherwise leave you alone and the situation will be resolved. So don't fear anymore. Now you know what to do in this most important of circumstances. The grammar topic for this episode is contractions. Do you know what contractions are? Well, I think you do, even if you don't know the word contractions, because contractions are a very common form in English. A contraction is any time when a word is shortened or abbreviated or contracted into a smaller, simpler form. Let me give you an example. Here's a contraction. Actually, I just said one. Here's a contraction. That's short for here is a contraction. And is is one of the few words in English that has a contracted or shortened form. Here's the whole list, and I'll go through this list again with examples. Here are the words that can be contracted. Am, is, are, have, has, had, would, will, did, not, and finally, us. Now here are some examples. For am, we could say something like, I'm hungry. That's the shortened or contracted form of I am hungry. I'm hungry. How about for is? I think Steve's mad at me. I think Steve's mad at me. Now there, Steve's is the shortened or contracted form of Steve is. I think Steve is mad at me. I think Steve's mad at me. Here's the contracted form of are. We're too late to the movie. We're too late to the movie. That's the shortened or contracted form of we are too late to the movie. We're, we are. Now what about have? I've been to this restaurant twice. I've been to this restaurant twice. I've is the contracted form of I have. So you can see that have gets reduced all the way down to v, just a v sound. I've been to this restaurant twice. And has works in the same way. Karen's finished her homework. Karen has finished her homework. Has gets contracted down to z. Karen's finished her homework. And had is also the same kind of pattern. He'd never gone to the ballet before. He'd never gone to the ballet before. That's short for he had never gone to the ballet before. Now here's what happens with would when would is contracted. She'd go to the party if she was invited. She'd go to the party if she was invited. That's the shortened or contracted form of she would go to the party if she was invited. So would gets shortened all the way down to d, just a d sound. She would go to the party if she was invited. She'd go to the party if she was invited. 
The next word on the list of words that can be contracted is will, as in, they'll come back from vacation in one week. They'll come back from vacation in one week is the shortened or contracted form of they will come back from vacation in one week, where will gets shortened or contracted all the way down to ul, just an L sound. They'll come back from vacation in one week. Now, did is a strange one because it only shows up in a certain kind of situation. It's a situation like this. What did he do when his car broke down? What did he do when his car broke down? That's short for what did he do? What did he do is contracted down into what did he do? What did he do when his car broke down? Now, not is extremely common. You will hear contractions for not all the time. Not gets abbreviated or contracted down into nt. We spell it n apostrophe t, but we pronounce it nt. It loses the vowel from the middle of the word, as in, my friend hasn't returned my email. My friend hasn't returned my email. So has not becomes hasn't. And finally, we have us. Now, us is another strange one because it shows up only in one construction. It's the construction seen in this sentence. Let's buy a present for your grandfather. Let's buy a present for your grandfather. That's short for let us buy a present for your grandfather. So it's only in that let us or let's construction where we see us contracted to a shorter form. At least I think so. I can't think of any other place where we contract us. Maybe you can. Send it to me. Let me know. I'd like to know about it. Now, in all of these cases, we spell contractions in a similar way. We indicate the letters or the sounds that have been removed with an apostrophe. For example, if I say, I've been to this restaurant twice, I spell I've, I apostrophe, V-E. That indicates that we have removed the first part or the first sounds in the word have. And all that's left is V. I've been to this restaurant twice. Now, why do you need to know about contractions? The reason is contractions are extremely common. Native speakers use contractions, at least in speech, all the time. In fact, sometimes it sounds unnatural to not contract these words that can be contracted. So I think it's important that you learn how to recognize them, how to hear them, and how to say them, because you will hear them every single day. So that's your homework. I don't know if I have the power to assign homework to you, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's your homework. Write sentences that demonstrate each of these contractions. The contracted forms of am, is, are, have, has, had, would, will, did, not, and us. You can send them to me if you like, or you can just keep them to yourself, but I think it would be a useful exercise because contractions are very common and they are definitely a part of natural English.
This week's vocabulary list is all about rain. Now, maybe that's because I live in Seattle, and here in Seattle, we have entered our six-month rainy season. It's rainy, usually from sometime in November to sometime in March or April, and we are definitely in the rainy season now, so I'm thinking about rain a lot. The first word in our rain vocabulary list is puddle, P-U-D-D-L-E. A puddle is a small area of water. So if it rains in a little hole or a little ditch or depression or a place where the ground is lower or there's a hole in the street, it forms a puddle of water. Now puddles can make your shoes damp. D-A-M-P, damp. Damp means slightly wet, a little bit wet. And that leads to the next word, which is sopping, S-O-P-P-I-N-G. We really only see the word sopping in the longer phrase, sopping wet. It means totally wet, completely wet. And a similar term is soaking wet, S-O-A-K-I-N-G. Soaking wet and sopping wet mean completely wet, totally wet. Now, what do you do when you're driving and it's raining? You turn on your windshield wipers. W-I-N-D-S-H-I-E-L-D-W-I-P-E-R-S. Your windshield wipers, and they move back and forth over your windshield to clear the rain away. What do you call it when you splash through water or move through something wet? That's sometimes called squishing. To squish is to splash through water or move through something wet or make a squishing sound like this. That's a good sound effect, a squishing sound. Squish is S-Q-U-I-S-H. All right, sometimes in Seattle, actually often in Seattle, we have drizzle, D-R-I-Z-Z-L-E. Drizzle is light rain. And the other end of the rain spectrum is downpour, D-O-W-N-P-O-U-R. A downpour is a heavy rainfall. When a lot of rain is coming down fast, that's a downpour. The last word in our rain vocabulary is waterproof. W-A-T-E-R-P-R-O-O-F. Waterproof means coated in a special material or made from a special material so that water can't get in. So if you are squishing through the puddles in a downpour, you want to make sure that you're wearing something waterproof so that you won't get wet. Well, those are our rain-related words for the week. Stay dry out there. And now it's time for the joke of the week, which is maybe nobody's favorite part of the podcast. But I'm going to keep doing it because I think it gives us lots of good opportunities to look at interesting things about English. This episode's joke is this one. 
What gets wetter the more it dries? What gets wetter the more it dries? Have you heard this one before? Can you think of the answer? What gets wetter the more it dries? The answer is a towel. A towel gets wetter the more it dries. How? Why? Why is this a joke? What's happening? The reason why this is a joke, or the reason why it's supposed to be a joke, is that dry can mean two very different things. Dry can mean to become dry, and it can mean to make something else dry. So you can say that a towel dries you off after you take a shower, or you use a towel to dry yourself off. You can also say that a wet towel left on a clothesline on a sunny day dries. It becomes dry. So dry can mean two very different things, to become dry or to make something else dry. Now dry is not alone. There are many words in English that work exactly the same way. Words that have to do with different conditions or states, like dry. So you can say that something cools down, meaning it becomes cool, like soup that you leave on the counter. A bowl of soup left on the counter cools down. It becomes cool. But you could also say that the air conditioner cools you off. It makes you cool. It's the same as in our joke about the towel drying. So what gets wetter the more it dries a towel? Because the more it dries someone off, the more wet it becomes. So two different meanings of the word dry, and that's what leads to this joke of the week. It's time for the listening quiz. And that means I'm going to read a short story two times. The first time I read it, I will read it at a pretty fast, natural speed, the same way I might tell the story to a friend. And the second time, I'll read the story much more slowly, and it might be easier for you to keep up with it the second time. And when I'm done reading the story twice, I will ask three questions, and you can test how much of the story you understood. Okay, here we go. The first time, I'll read it pretty quickly. The house painters have finally arrived. Michael and Janice have been talking about having their house painted for years, but they never had the time or the money to hire someone to do it. But now they have, and the house painters are here. Michael and Janice argued about what color to paint the house, and they couldn't agree. First, Michael wanted to paint the house a nice bright blue, but Janice suggested yellow. Then Michael thought a pale green could be good, then Janice said a white house might look clean and simple. Finally, Michael decided to let Janice decide what color to paint the house. He said it was his birthday present to her. In fact, Michael didn't even know what color Janice had finally chosen. So he watched the house painters with great curiosity, wondering what color his house would soon be. Was that too fast? Well, let's try it again, this time much more slowly. The house painters have finally arrived. Michael and Janice have been talking about having their house painted for years. 
but they never had the time or the money to hire someone to do it. But now they have, and the house painters are here. Michael and Janice argued about what color to paint the house, and they couldn't agree. First, Michael wanted to paint the house a nice bright blue, but Janice suggested yellow. Then Michael thought a pale green could be good. Then Janice said a white house might look clean and simple. Finally, Michael decided to let Janice decide what color to paint the house. He said it was his birthday present to her. In fact, Michael didn't even know what color Janice had finally chosen. So he watched the house painters with great curiosity, wondering what color his house would soon be. Okay, how was that? Was it a little bit easier to keep up with? Well, let's see how you do with these three questions about that story. Number one, why had Janice and Michael never painted their house before? Why had Janice and Michael never painted their house before? Number two, what was Michael's birthday present to Janice? What was Michael's birthday present to Janice? And number three, what color did Janice decide to have the house painted? What color did Janice decide to have the house painted? Okay, if you need a little bit of extra time, or if you want to listen to the story again, you can stop and go back, and when you're ready, come back here, and I will have the answers for you. Okay, here are the answers. Question one, why had Janice and Michael never painted their house before? Because they didn't have the time or the money to hire someone to do it. Question two, what was Michael's birthday present to Janice? His birthday present was he said she could decide what color to paint the house. And question three, what color did Janice decide to have the house painted? It's still a mystery. We haven't found out yet. But Michael will find out soon. All right, how did you do? And that's the end of episode 21 of Everybody ESL. If you have any questions about this episode or questions about any English topic, send an email to everybodyesl at gmail.com. I'll be back soon with a mini episode and until then, keep going, keep practicing, and keep learning. Goodbye. I'll see you soon. Bye.